Welcome to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast that's usually about women's basketball. Today, this is part two of a two-part, I don't know, mini-series or something, something like that on, on a different subject, though. It's still revolving around women's basketball, but today is the last day of Autism Awareness Month, and so taking some time to talk to some people in the women's basketball community that have been affected by autism. Uh, if you didn't catch it earlier, part one uh, with Aaron Kailoff, assistant women's basketball coach at LSU, we talked uh, about him and his family dealing with their son and his autism. And and now I'm, I'm really excited to be able to share with you this episode with uh, Colleen Mullen, head coach at University of Albany. Her and her wife have twin boys, Brennan and Callan, who both have been recently diagnosed with autism, and uh, their story is a, whew, it's a journey. Um, it's funny with these podcasts, sometimes you, you have to really encourage people along and get them talking and get them moving, and uh, Colleen was not that way, and I'm so appreciative of that. I, I say that as a, as a compliment. I ask her a question, and off she goes. So I hope you are buckled in and ready for her full story with her and her wife, Lauren, uh, their incredible journey. They also have a, a beautiful young girl, Maggie. And so uh, their story has been, it's a tough one. It's been a tough journey for them. And they're still right really in the beginning stages of it. So I, I'm, I hope you're going to enjoy it. I'll shut up so you can listen to her tell her story. But uh, we'll, we'll dip out. We'll come right back in with Colleen Mullen, head coach of U of Albany here on the last day of Autism Awareness Month. And now joining me, Colleen Mullen, head coach at Albany. Coach, thanks for taking some time to speak about a, a subject that's obviously near and dear to you, uh, to you and your family. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm always blown away by the, the stories of people. And so I, I really appreciate you just kind of being willing to, to open up a little bit and talk about this with me. Absolutely, Blake. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So for people who don't know, you, you've kind of gone through your journey as a coach, uh, as an assistant at a, at a bunch of different stops on the East Coast. Uh, you end up taking the, the Albany head job, just finished your second year. Your wife, Lauren, a really, really successful coach in her own right, uh, most recently at NYU. For you guys, as, as a coach, I get it. It's it is hard to, to build a family and to even have one other person in your life uh, in this crazy business. But for you guys, uh, as you guys kind of went through your relationship and, and got married and you have three children now, how, how difficult was it for you guys, just one, once you, once you were together, to be able to carve out some time to, to actually build a family? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty interesting story for us and, and how we met and kind of our journey as both being coaches and both being Division One assistant coaches at one point playing competing against each other in the same league as assistant coaches competing for recruits. You know, who are you talking to on the phone um, in the porch? <laughs> and who, who, who you know? Um, and but you know, we, we we made it work. We we were committed to one another and we were committed to our our careers and at that time we when we were young assistant coaches and trying to build our careers we um you know we had no kids at that time so our main focus was our relationship but also making sure we made decisions that was best for our partnership so 
Um, and, and as you know, Blake, it's not easy being married or in a relationship with another coach. It's always difficult because of the time constraints and the travel. Um, and luckily we were able to, you know, really kind of settle into a, into two great jobs. Um, myself at Army West Point and Lauren at Sacred Heart University, um, where we could kind of live in between in White Plains and she'd commute north and I'd commute kind of north the other way. Um, and we figured out a way to make it work. And then as our relationship, we got married in 2014 and, um, we had been together for about six years and we kind of had started to talk about, oh, let's have a family and, you know, how can this work? And, uh, luckily we both had some, you know, very, really, really supportive, uh, bosses and, and mm. Lauren was able to get the head coaching job at NYU. So she became the head coaching job at NYU. I was promoted to the associate head coach at Army. We were having tremendous success, both of us. So our careers were really soaring, and now we were just like, okay, now I think it's ready. we're ready to take the next step um, in our relationship and start a family. Um, so we kind of went through that whole fertility thing um, to start our family, um, and we were blessed with a beautiful daughter, Maggie, um, named after my grandmother um, in 2015. Um, and then when she turned about two, we were kind of like, oh, this is fun. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe we're, we're not busy enough. Maybe we should add another. Never mind thinking that was going to be two in a row, two, two for the price of one. Um, but, um, so Maggie was two. We decided to, to have, um, you know, another child and poof, that magically happens to be two boys and we are, we are blessed with twins. Um, and, you know, again, I just had such a terrific supportive environment to do this with my head coach, Jason Garrity, who was such a family guy. And I know there's, it's very hard for young assistant coaches to be able to feel comfortable enough to say, Hey, listen, I want to have kids or I want to be working in an environment with a head coach that is family oriented, that values family, you know, because I had to leave at night to, you know, yeah. be home for dinner and to help out. And then Lauren was traveling and I had to be home and I would come in late and Lauren would come home early. Um, so we, we really were able to, to make it work because of the, you know, the environments that we were both in, her being at NYU and me being at Army West Point. Yeah, pretty incredible. And then, um, yeah, it really was. And then I had the boys, the twins, and now we were a party of five. And that's really, you go to zone defense and you see, you think you, <laughs> you've got to figure out and you realize you get no control. And I, my leadership skills are tested on a, on a daily basis, but... <laughs> Things just started to get unmanageable. Um, in that first year when Lauren was the head coach at NYU and I was the, head, the associate head coach at Army, um, and we had three kids, it was Maggie was at daycare. The boys had a nanny. Financially, it, it, it barely made sense, um, and something was going to have to give. Um, we were in Westchester County of New, outside of New York City, and the price of daycare was essentially one of our salaries. Um, the time, the travel, my family, snowstorms, you know, my aunts were coming to help. And then, you know, it, it was, it was just the, the coming and going, um, it, we were getting to our breaking point. And we always talked about in our relationship that we would continue to make the best decisions for our family. Um, and we knew that maybe one of us was going to need to step away. Um, and we weren't sure what that was going to look like because we both had terrific jobs. Um, and then luckily enough, I was able to be selected as the head coach at University of Albany and our lives changed completely. Yeah. 
Um, we moved up to Albany. Um, it was the perfect fit for me because I played in this league. I played at the University of New Hampshire. I went to a state school. Um, you know, shoot out the Mass Pike. Um, you know, drop off at my house. So easy for my family who live outside of Boston to, to come visit and be a support system for us. Uh, way away from the New York City traffic. And it's so funny, moving all many people like, oh, there's so much traffic up the north. <laughs> and I get on my way, this is traffic. Yeah. People think this is traffic. Get out of here. Um, but, yeah. So, you know, it, it was a really, really good fit for, for multiple reasons. Professionally, um, unbelievable, the supportive administration of myself and Lauren, inclusive, family atmosphere, um, you know, from the minute I stepped on campus for my interview, I knew that my family was going to be welcome. Awesome. Um, that they wanted a leader that wanted to be their authentic self. And that was important to me because I, you know, as a gay woman with three kids, you know, yeah. I wanted to make sure that I was going to be putting yep. my family in, in a comfortable position. And I was going to be able to lead a program the way I wanted to lead. And I knew that if I couldn't be my authentic self, I couldn't be genuine. I could never become the, the coach I, I aspire to be and was capable of becoming. So it was, it was truly the best fit. Um, and then the year kind of went on and, and we were having a lot of problems with our son. Um, Colin. He, our other son, Brennan was making all of his milestones and Callan started to not make his milestones. He started to, he wasn't sitting up. He wasn't rolling over. Um, mostly physical milestones that we were noticing. Um, and that was right before, um, I, we moved up here. So that was about the summer of 2018. Okay. Um, the boy, Callan and the boys are about six months old. They're born in June. Um, and yeah, you know, they were about, it's just like about a year, I guess, about a year. We started realizing that, um, when we moved up here, that things just didn't seem, didn't seem right. Mm. Um, as the kind of the year, uh, as the months went on, um, I started the season and the boys were about uh, 15 months old. And I started noticing some things with Callan where um, when I would travel to a game and come back, he wouldn't respond to me. I'd come in the door and Brennan would come greet me and, and Maggie would come greet me. And, and Callan was just overlaying on the floor and, you know, not even turning his head to see who was walking in the door. And why, why was the dog barking? And what was the ruckus? Like, almost like I didn't, I didn't exist. Um, and I just thought that was strange. And I was like, oh, you know, look at that. It's so, he plays by himself. And, you know, he, what an easy baby. Um, but then it just started to, when he wasn't making his, he still was, he, he, he qualified for early intervention through the state of New York, which is unbelievable. The early intervention that they do, it's just tremendous. Um, he qualified for, for um, PT. And they came into the home and they, they were helping with his physical development. But all of his cognitive and social development was delayed, and a lot of it the pediatricians attributed to the, the fact that he was delayed. He hadn't, he, he was walking late, he, he, he wasn't walking yet. So they said, you know, once he walks, that kind of cognitive change in his mind will help the world come. Well, you know, at about 12 months, he had started saying, like, Mama and Dada. Not really sure where that came from, but. <laughs> Um, you know, some of the, some of the just baby words that you'd hear, but then all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, okay, he said mama, but then he wouldn't say it again. And you were, it was like the words disappeared. Huh. Um, so all these things were kind of red flags, but our pediatricians, our, everyone around us, oh, boys talk late. The twins have their own language. You know, girls are quicker. Can't compare your children to each other. 
And all of that was great and wonderful and supportive that everybody was trying to, I wouldn't say poo-poo what we were seeing, what our instincts were as mothers, mm-hmm. but they were they were trying to make us feel more comfortable. Like, you know, this is this is the topic. Um, and then really what, when the season started to end, so March, um, the boys would be coming up on their, uh, you know, just about 18 months. Um, and it really started to get to the point where, I mean, Callan and Brennan, neither one of them were saying many words. I think Callan might have had three words and Brennan maybe had five or 10, but Brennan, you, you almost didn't even worry about Brennan because Brennan was just like, you know, would play with Maggie and sure. met most of his physical milestones and just, he wasn't so obviously having a problem. Mm. So he kind of really got pushed to the side a little bit, just in terms of the focus was really on Callan. And I went on a trip to recruit in Sweden and I was, I started Googling on my flight, um, about Callan's symptoms, about what he was doing, that he wasn't answering to his name, that he had few words, um, that he wasn't making consistent eye contact, um, that he was very irritable. Um, he was staring, he was infatuated with like the wheels on cars and stuff. Mm. And when the Google search came back is autism spectrum disorder. And I, I was, I mean, my heart dropped. And then I just proceeded on that trip that was, you know, my mom went on the trip. We went to Sweden and Paris. And the only thing that was on my mind was, you know, my son and these symptoms. And when I came home, I said, we need to get him evaluated. This needs to happen. We got to get him in with the pediatrician. So we went to the pediatrician. The pediatrician said, yeah, I just don't, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. But I understand we'll give you a referral for a developmental uh, pediatrician. Those are the doctors that diagnose the disorder, developmental pediatricians okay. or child neurologists. And, um, but she, she was not convinced at that point. So we're talking about 19, 19 months about. And so, and it, and it is hard, uh, 19, 20 months until they're really two years old. They can't really get diagnosed, um, but they can get diagnosed as early as 18 months. So fast forward, we call, we get a referral, we call the developmental pediatrician, and they say we have to wait a year and a half to get an appointment. A year and a half. What? And that was, we were appalled. I mean, I was hysterical. I, you know, and that was, we called multiple places, and they said there was hundreds of kids that needed to be evaluated. There was hundreds of kids that needed help. Um, There wasn't enough doctors. There's not enough support. Um, You know, I was going to take the boys to Boston, but it really was no different. Um, it was no different. It was, it was a long wait. So I felt very helpless. Um, I went in and spoke to my eight athletic director. Um, I asked for help. I kind of went into my athletic director, just, we were just talking and I expressed to him what was going on with me personally, because I feel very comfortable with him and he's been a huge support system for me since I got here and I feel comfortable telling him personally what was going on and luckily UAlbany is a, a very, very, you know, strong research institution uh, in New York and, and luckily affiliated with many hospitals in this area and, um, you know, we have a terrific science um, department um, and it he was able to connect me with somebody that was on the board of, um, you know, that he was able to make a call to somebody that sat on one of the boards that knew a neurologist, a child neurologist that was retiring, yada, 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 make the connections. Anyways, we were able to get in with an appointment, but we still had to wait about four months. 
uh, certainly a lot less than a year and a half, uh, but we were able to get into, um, you know, a hospital to, to be seen. In the meantime, we were able to get a different appointment with a nurse practitioner at a developmental office at a different place, um, pretty much the other doctor's office that we would go to to get a diagnosis. And uh, essentially the first line of a overview, an interview, a assessment um, for, for Callan. So we went in there and when we went, um, we had to get another, a different referral. So we took both of the boys into the pediatrician. We said, we need a referral for Callan. And then this different pediatrician in the same practice said, well, you should probably get Brennan checked too because you're going through this with Callan and Brennan's looking at me like I'm a train. And I'm like, he's looking at you like you're a train? I go, what, that, what does that mean? He goes, he's looking at me like I'm an object, not a person. So he should probably get checked too. And we were huh. like, I, and I was shocked. Yeah. I mean, Lauren and I were so shocked because we had no inclination at all that anything was going on with Brennan until this pediatrician said this to us. Um, and so then that was a whole other processing thing. Like, oh my gosh, we missed these signs of Brennan and maybe Brennan is. But, you know, I mean, we know something's going on with Callan. So, again, we're waiting for our, our main appointment um, at, the, at the Albany Hospital, um, and we have this appointment with, with, a, with a nurse practitioner. So we go in there. They, they both have their evaluations separately, one at a time. Callan goes first, um, and she says that she's not convinced he's autistic on the, on the spectrum. She doesn't think he is. She thinks he might just have some developmental delays um, and maybe sensory processing, and to make an appointment for six six months to a year. Um, and that was her recommendation. Um, and I asked her, and I mean, I kind of, you know, spoke up and I was like, I just don't understand. And he was doing these things with his hands. He was showing her like some of the stimming that he did, does. Um, and, you know, her response was, yeah, he's not. And that's it. And come back in six months to a year. And then she, and then, so I was appalled at that. And then my, 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 my head was, you know, my heart, my heart really knew that she was wrong. My head wanted her to be right. Um, but like, I wanted to believe what she was saying so badly, but my mother's tuition and in my gut, I just knew she was wrong. Yeah. Um, and I, I knew I had to fight for him. Lauren and I knew we had to fight for him. Um, but she evaluated Brennan and she said, oh, absolutely. Brennan is so definitely not on the spectrum. There's no way he's on the spectrum. Um, he maybe he'll have ADD when he's older, um, but you know there's you know not not even close to, to being on the spectrum. So okay, so we decide to get a second opinion for him too. So now we get on the waiting list for Brennan at the other place because we still thought he should be evaluated by somebody else too because we knew that she was incorrect about Callum. Well, we thought she was incorrect about Callum. Um, so Brennan, then Callan's appointment was set for August before the season started last year. And then this year, sorry, this year. And then Brennan's appointment was scheduled for, um, in November. It was like the day before we played Boston University. He, so we had to wait a couple extra months for him to get in. So we go into our appointment in August. And the whole time, Lauren and I just focused on what can, what control can we take? I, I talked to, I told everybody that I thought my son was on the autism spectrum. I told my family. 
I, I went recruiting. I talked to my people that I trusted that were coaches. I was connected with Joe McEwen. He talked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather Bruin from Manhattan talked to me about a friend that worked in New York City with kids on the autism spectrum, co- connected me with a very special, helpful woman. Um, Mark Benson, my athletic director, com- connected me with other men's coaches um, on the men's side. I mean, I was just, by asking for help, I was connected with so many wonderful people and was able to, to start the process of what I needed to do and what our family needed to do to help support our kids. So books that we needed to buy, um, techniques that we needed to incorporate. Um, you know, we, we bought um, a couple books, so we started making sure he, he made eye contact or he had communication with us before we would give him requested items. And we started using these different modeling uh, behaviors and helping him with his, you know, continuing trying to make sure he was getting early intervention with, you know, he, he then, then he increased with his speech and occupational therapy qualified through the state. Um, but we wanted him to, to continue to be able to have these other tools that are specific to those on the spectrum. So Colleen, so real quick, August, sorry, yep. to, just to jump in, so just to be clear, like you, even while you guys awaited a, a diagnosis that you guys felt was right and accurate you guys kind of have already yeah. gone in your mind like no this is he is they are let's get ready right yeah. right okay exactly okay. i mean we uh, definitely for talon we still were like hopeful in quotes that brennan wasn't it just didn't, it didn't show as much it wasn't as obvious but then as he got older and that that piece of communication the piece that he didn't talk was huge because that is one of the biggest symptoms, the lack of language yeah. and language development yeah. um, is one of the telltale signs of autism spectrum disorder. And, um, you know, he had that. So we kept thinking like, oh, his words are just going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. And when it didn't, the more time elapsed, the more we thought Brennan was. Yeah. But we acted as if. And I, I'm not, I think one of my maybe best qualities and maybe one of my worst qualities is that I'm just not a very shy person. <laughs> and I, um, I, I just never have been, and I'm not afraid to ask for help. I'm not afraid to, you know, show weakness to other people. I don't think that I'll be vulnerable with people. Uh, I guess weakness is not probably the right word, but because I, I think that people's experiences, we can all learn from other people's experiences and, and, yeah. Um, it was so valuable to me and so appreciative, I'm so appreciative of it. And I made these great connections with people that really helped me through a very difficult time in waiting to find out for sure if Callan was on the autism spectrum. So in August, when we had already been incorporating things, we had seen strides in him with his communication in terms of we were doing sign language. He had about 50 signs. He could communicate with us through sign language. We were doing baby signing time. We were, I mean, I was, we, Lauren and I were just so committed to, uh, you know, interactive play and sensory, um, you know, sensory activities, anything that could promote his brain development, knowing that at his age, it was so critical um, that we helped develop him to, to get more towards his typically developing peers in any way that we could until he had access to the, to the proper services with experts. Um so in August, we had our appointment, and within, I don't know, 10 minutes, the doctor said, oh, yes, he's <laughs> definitely on the autism spectrum. And she, and there wasn't, a, there wasn't a doubt in her mind. And, um, you know, uh, of course, Lauren and I had a huge sense of relief, but yeah. also grief. 
you know, grief and relief in the same breath. Um, I mean, we both cried so hard. It was so emotional for us because I think it's just like, wow, like we knew the truth and we were so happy she gave us the truth yeah. after hearing yeah. somebody say what we wanted to hear. It's not like what we thought, you know, was the truth. Um, where a lot of people I know maybe would have just taken that advice and, and then like, oh, thankfully, and right. thanks, you know, that's the right answer and just moved on and, um, you know, but I think, you know, mother's, mother's intuition and just your gut feeling, you know, that something bigger is going on. Um, and now we knew that he was going to have access with the diagnosis. He was going to have access to the most important, um, you know, therapies that are out there right now to help him lead the most productive life that he can. Um, after that, we signed up for classes to take, to learn, um, different techniques that we could do at home that would incorporate different behavioral techniques to understand the disorder, to, to bring awareness um, to the disorder. Um, then fast forward to um, a couple of weeks later, our players came back from summer school, from summer break to start the fall semester. And I shared with them um, what had been going on with me personally. It was pretty emotional. We were in the locker room and I just, you know, we, I welcomed, welcomed everybody back and we did the whole, you know, welcome back thing. And, mm-hmm. and then at the end, I just said, you know, guys, I, I really need to share something as well with you personally. And it's been, it's been a very, very, uh, difficult summer for me personally and my, with my family. And I just shared that Cal had been diagnosed on the spectrum, that Brennan was pretty much go- going to be evaluated soon. Um, but Cal had been that, diagnosed and I was crying and everybody was crying and we all gave a big group hug and then right after I said that one of my freshmen came up to me and said hey coach I just I want to let you know that this is going to be okay like he's going to be okay and they're going to be okay you know I'm on the spectrum and I was diagnosed when I was a little kid and, and look at me wow and I was like floored like I couldn't even because we had no idea none of us knew had any idea she got you know, she took the SAT, she did the whole thing without accommodations, not knowing any of these, these things. Um, and to think the hope that she, that poured over me and like how sorry I was feeling for myself in the moment, like I was feeling so sorry for myself yeah. and like so sorry for my situation and my son. And as a mother, you don't, of course you just don't want your children to have to suffer. You don't want things to be more, yep. the world is difficult as it is. Right. Yep. But then you're just like, you know what? Like, it is what it is. Like, look at, look at Tanaya and look at all these players. I mean, they've all come from different circumstances with different obstacles and challenges. But, um, you know, I know that I'll be committed and Lauren will be committed to providing talent, all the resources and support and love for him to be successful in his life. And why limit somebody because of a diagnosis or because they're on the autism spectrum or because they have a disability? Because when you have a kid, it really doesn't matter. Like the, the baby comes out and you just, you just love them. It yeah. doesn't matter if they're, you know, blue, green, you know, autistic, not autistic, you know, tall, short. I mean, I'd like taller for basketball purposes. I'm five <laughs> years old. So those genes are working against whatever child I, I was going to say, good luck with um, that one. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that. They're really working upstream on that one. But, um, you know, I just think like in that moment, it was, it was so, it was so, it was really just an amazing moment because the hope that I had and, and just the perspective I was given in that moment, like, Hey, it's gonna, this is going to be okay. This is not, this isn't like somebody told me my, my child has cancer and they're going to pass away. No, it, this is something that it's, it, it's another challenge. And 
nothing in Lauren and I's life. We're both athletes. Like, we, we love a challenge. We're competitive. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, now let's create our game plan to, to get this back. To, 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 obviously, there's no cure for autism spectrum disorder, but there are proven therapies that can help and to help them live a more uh, full life. And, you know, that, that's our goal. Um, and then, you know, that diagnosis turned into us trying to get set up with those therapies, which again, were another kind of, um, those, that, that's difficult. You have to wait a long time. You have to get the insurance and mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of uh, red tape and, and hoops to jump through, but all worth it for sure. Just patient, that's your patience for <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then fast forward to the season and, and, you know, it was a tough season and, we're about to play the day before we play DU. We go in there with Brennan, and the doctor says, "Yep, you know it's yeah. it's different. He's he's presenting different. All autistic um, people present different differently. They say, you know, you, if you've met one person with autism spectrum disorder, you've met one person because yeah. everyone is different. Yeah. Everybody has different uh, ways they present. Um, and Brennan is much different. And but she said, but he is. Um, he's on the spectrum." And he needs access to these therapies as well. So in, you know, in a matter of three months, I went from, you know, three typically developing children to, you know, two special needs children. And, you know, it, it really, you know, opened up my eyes to a whole new world of, you know, um, of that. And, just a, an unbelievable appreciation and gratitude for all the blessings that I have yeah. in, in my life to be able to support my children in a way that can help them develop the best way they can. The access to Lauren's time with stepping away from coaching, being able to drive them back and forth to their therapies. Her time is critical. Her time that she gets to spend one-on-one with our children, working with them, um, you know, face-to-face. Um, and then, of course, the job that I have that is very supportive of administration and bosses that are so supportive of the situation. You know, when they when I told them, they you know they're, they're the first people to say like, do you want to, you know, do you need to take some time? Do you need to? What do you need? Um, you know, and just knowing that I had that type of support um, professionally and you know with my family and, and my wife personally, um, th- there's. There really was no fear in it. Um, it was just really a, a change of thinking. But um, I continue to reach out to people and request support from others and, you know, watch tons, get in the, the Facebook rabbit hole of videos on, yeah. you know, on, 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 on the Facebook or <laughs> the Instagram. Um, but somebody still told on the, the Twitter or whatever it's called. <laughs> the snap face. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that the, the snap thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's just like having that perspective. I mean, I just, you got to see the humor in life and you have to take it day by day. And, um, you know, for my players, I think it, it's been really cool to watch them have me and have me have a, use my platform for awareness. Um, we participate in the Autism Awareness Walk. We did an autism awareness game. We just did another autism walk this spring for Steps for Kindness. Autism Speaks picked up a story um, that was done by the America East. The America East did a, uh, you know, a, um, a feature on myself and Tanaya, and Autism Speaks picked it up, and they did a big feature on a family that went, you know, essentially global um, on the Internet. And, 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 again, just being able to use my platform as the head coach at University of Albany to spread awareness and to show, like, 
to normalize it because people are fearful. Yeah. Um, people yeah. are fearful for that for that stigma. They're fearful of that diagnosis, and it's not. You know, it, 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 it's, you're, you're not defined by, you know, a, a diagnosis. You're, you're, you're defined by what you do to support your, your children. And, and regardless, that diagnosis opens doors to therapies that are uh, life-changing, um, in my opinion. Um, and, and I've seen tremendous growth. And unfortunately, with, with the times right now with COVID, um, they, they don't have those therapies. They're doing it remotely, teletherapy that just kind of took some time to start up. It's better than nothing, but it's not what we were doing. Um, where we were steamrolling ahead with, with, with hitting milestones and words. And I mean, Callen's up to probably 500 words now. Um, where six months ago he had 10. That's incredible. Um, so it, it really is incredible, um, to watch the growth and the development and, and the confidence in the boys and just being in a, being in an area and, and a supportive environment um, and a platform certainly to, to spread awareness. I feel like it's my responsibility mm. to, to help the cause. Yeah. Wow. Well, what, what a story, my goodness. Um, and credit to you, to you and Lauren just continuing to push and, and, trusting that gut, right. And then making it happen. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, it's obviously super encouraging to hear that, you know, through that original, like you said, it the relief, but also that grief period. But now that you guys, you know what you're dealing with, you know how to go about attacking it and and are well on the way there. So it's super encouraging to hear that. And I just, I can't thank you enough for just being so transparent and just be, being willing to share that with us. And I just, I know that I'm obviously going to be pulling for, for all you guys as you continue to move forward and, and meet new milestones in their lives. Well, thank you so much, Blake. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Colleen for, for sharing that incredible journey. Um, man, I really appreciate the vulnerabilities that, uh, that people allow us. And certainly today, the again, the last day of, of April and the last day of Autism Awareness Month, Colleen and Aaron earlier just... So grateful for them sharing their hearts with us and opening up and just being uh, being willing to give us a little look in. So encourage everyone to continue to give back and pour into the organizations, the, the people uh, that need it most. So um, really was happy to do this little mini series here. And uh, again, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm better for knowing these stories. I hope you feel the same well, way as well. And uh, I appreciate you, you listening to this. Until next time, this is The Jump Around.